0: I'm Dr. Melina Jampolis, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina, where each week I talk to some of the smartest people in the business and to really get to the basics of the science, but do it in a practical way when it comes to nutrition, lifestyle, whatever it is. So, and as always, I love hearing from you. I love hearing your questions, even guest ideas. So, DM me through Instagram or Facebook. But um, I'm very excited about my guest today. I have known Harley Pasternak for, geez, decades, right? Harley, has it been?
1: Well, I'm 21. Uh, right, so... right, right.
0: I mean, we, you know, we met in preschool, right? We uh... no, we
1: met through the <laughs> client, with the client in Northau who went to jail.
0: Oh my God, that's right. Okay, wait, let me finish with your intro though. But so, for the few of you on the planet that don't know Harley Pasternak, he is um, a brilliant personal trainer, best-selling author. And also many of you may not know that he has a master's degree in nutrition. So he is actually the one trainer that you really should be listening to both on the fitness side and the nutrition side. And I mean, what, it's five books, Harley, or how many? Of uh, you-
1: it's seven books and about to be eight.
0: Uh, Seven books about to eat B8. I found two of them. I found the body reset diet on my counter at home. And my personal favorite, just because the five factor world diet, but there's the And your first one was five factor fitness. Is that right? Did I get that right? Five
1: factor fitness was the first one. And then five factor diet, five factor diet journal, five factor world diet, body reset diet, five pounds, I'm forgetting some body reset that revised it. There's some other one other in there. Somewhere. Oh yeah, I
0: forgot about the five pounds one. So, anyways, welcome to practically healthy. It's so nice to see you. We haven't seen each other in a while.
1: Yeah, pre COVID.
0: Pre COVID, I think. Just jumping right in, one of my favorite practical tips that I learned from you. You always made me do whenever we got together, we had to walk. So you are big that that's, you know, starting out number one. I think that is that is something that um, I you turned me on to, you know, whenever it was that we met God, if I was still in San Francisco, that was probably at least 17 years ago. Um, it was a while, but, um, so tell us, well, first of all, and I think you have a really interesting, tell us a little bit about your background. Just so I don't think people get a chance to hear from you and, and to really understand like the depth of your knowledge and even some of the research that you did in grad school. I I remember all this. I have a very good memory, Harley.
1: (laughs) You've taken a lot less blows to the head than I have. Yes.
0: Oh, Um, that's right. Well, you're Canadian. It it comes with the territory, right? With the hockey territory. I
1: I was a hockey player and went to college, um, got hurt playing hockey and and spent the next 10 years uh, doing graduate degrees in exercise physiology, graduate degrees in nutrition. And then I was working on my PhD in nutrition and I got recruited by the military. The work I was doing was um, the university didn't want me to do the research. They couldn't get insurance for it, but the military said, we'll give you a lab and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give you all the tools that you need. Um, uh, so I went, uh, became a nutrition scientist in the military and I did work on creatine. I did work on uh, drugs like acetazolamide, um, uh, creatine, uh, modafinil. And then for a very short while, I was the world authority on the synergy of caffeine and ephedrine. So, um, started a training business while I did that. And and most Hollywood movies were actually shot in Canada. So we would train all the the actors getting ready. And then that, that grew and that became, um, um, a bigger business with teams that I hired and I had a mobile gym, a fleet of mobile gyms that went to tractor trailers that went to film sets. And then Halle Berry, I was training, uh, for a movie called Gothica in Montreal. And she said, can you come to the U S and help me get ready for Catwoman? And, that's where it all started and kind of blew up. Went on Oprah, wrote books, and the rest is history.
0: Yeah, that's it was my amazing. Thirty
1: first year in practice, thirty one years in practice.
0: Wow, really? Yeah. So you started when you were five? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, well, uh, no. And everybody remembers uh, certainly Halle Berry in the Catwoman outfit. I think most people don't realize. I think it's public knowledge that she's also a diabetic, which is even more interesting to be able to get to the physique that she got, you know, yeah. with insulin involved with type one diabetes. So.
1: Well, she, she actually has type three. So she has Modi.
0: Oh, she does.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize so that. Okay. I, I believe I'm I'm not giving her any confidential information. I, I think.
0: Okay. It's, yeah. It's, hopefully, hope. whatever. It's hope a not. hope not. Otherwise mm-hmm. we'll, we'll censor it. We'll just bleep it out. Um, so for but, her uh,
1: exercise and eating well, is, you know, was the difference between her being insulin dependent and non-dependent? And it's a as you know, it's a rare thing to be able to really help to, to transform someone's health literally through exercise and diet. And then I started working with Robert Downey Jr. and Mila Jovich and Resident Evil movies and all the rest. And um, um, so very, very cool.
0: And I remember pictures of you. You were also, at what point were you a competitive bodybuilder?
1: Yeah. I saw the pictures when you had,
0: when you had hair too, right? (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. I can say um, that because we're friends, Harley. (laughs) yeah, Yeah,
1: of course. I, uh, many years ago, too many years ago to remember, but a long, long time ago and, and nothing like being your own Guinea pig as you learn and, um, That way, when you do stuff to a client, you'll know what it felt like to have it done to you. So,
0: it's interesting that you say that because I am—I'll be fifty-two in April, and with the whole aging, menopause, perimenopause, whatever it is I'm going through, I'm starting to do a lot of n of one research just in trying to navigate this challenging time. And have you? I'm just—I'm curious. Totally off the subject, but I mean, have you had clients in my age range and and found it to be more challenging or how do you how do you deal with uh us old broads
1: you know i I worked with jane fonda uh not long ago for quite a while um jane was in her 80s um jeff goldblum late late 60s he's a specimen uh and we have an amazing woman that um who's 104 and and does resistance training twice a day short little things every day and so you're never too old to start. You're never too old to keep going. And all the research shows that even into your 90s, you can still build muscle mass. So um, you're a spring chicken.
0: Ah, you know. I kind of feel like that. Sometimes. And I think kids keep you young, too. But actually, my uh, my husband's grandmother will be 105 in uh october and she works out with a personal trainer she uh her nursing home or her assisted living has a a wee fit that she does all the time um and she also keeps her brain sharp with rummy cube which i think is really cool and i'm obsessed with that game i don't know if you uh... oh
1: wow yeah of course yeah
0: it's uh but it, it it is inspiring and it is But I mean, I think, and this is something I actually remember discussing with debating you a little bit about, you know, nature versus nurture. Cause when you bring up Jane Fonda as an example of somebody who's older, for me, she is the icon of a lifetime of fitness. Like she has been committed. I mean, she was one of the OG kind of fitness people. So for her, I think, you know, there's, there's, uh, a pretty good, uh, genetic component, but, uh, certainly research, especially out of Tufts too, in terms of building muscle as you get older. And, uh, you, it's, it's always, it's never too late, like you said. So how did the first book come about in the first book? Um, first and second, cause the five factor, tell us a little bit about that. Cause it's, yeah. we were talking this morning a little bit, it's still so brilliant and it is the most Practically healthy advice I could possibly think of. It, it's just so. Even though you train people with unlimited budgets and actors whose careers depend on them looking a certain way, you were able to reduce it to so such simple terms. So tell us about the the first couple
1: books. You know, and I, I, you're an anomaly in what you do too because of your training. Um, but I think the better you understand a topic, the easier you can explain something. And when you hear People talk about medical things, scientific things, health things, nutrition things, and it sounds very, very complex and very complicated. It probably means they don't really understand it themselves. And so I created a principle called multiple variation training in the military, a a thought on how to train. And it was based on Dr. Hans Seeley's general adaptation syndrome. He won the Nobel Prize many years ago, I think in the 40s. He's a canadian professor at mcgill university in montreal and he talked about um exposing an organism to a stimulus and uh, the example he gave is if i was to call you right now and you answer the phone and i said your house is on fire your fight or flight response you'd be what what do you mean you know heart rate racing adrenaline coming out and then they pause and they say just kidding you're like come on that wasn't a nice joke and they call you the next day and they do the same thing your house is on fire. Like, what? Wait, wait, you know, and you, you have that reaction, not quite as intense as the first one, but pretty intense. And then they like, I'm just kidding. They call you in day three and they say, your house is on fire. Is it though? Your heart rate doesn't get up. You pause on the reaction. It's because you've become habituated to that stimulus and, or adapted to that stimulus uh, of being scared. And so with exercise, specifically resistance training, um, I talked a lot about when you're exposed to a certain stimulus um, and whether it be weight training, Pilates, yoga, any of these forms of resistance exercise, you adapt to it. And our, um, our reaction to adapting it to it is to increase volume, do more sets, more weight, more reps. And where does that end? At some point you're doing three hour workouts and you've got tendonitis all over your body. So rather than increasing volume, I thought, constantly changing the variables of resistance. So, um, what angle, what base, how many reps, how many sets, the time it takes to do it cadence. Those were some of the, what I called macro variables of the training. And then you have the micro variables of training. So time of day, music, person you're working out with a trainer or a workout partner, the gym you're at, those are the the lesser variables that keep your mind engaged. Um, so playing around with that multiple variation training principle, was something that I uh, I was really excited about. I was able to shorten people's workouts from over an hour to 25 minutes, and that got Hallie very excited. So we were able to train. You know, she films Monday through Friday on a film set. Lunch times in Quebec and Montreal were 30 minutes, so we had less than 30 minutes to get our workouts in. So we had a few minutes to get to the mobile gym trailer on set. A few minutes back, we had 25 minutes, and we would start off with a five minute cardio cool down, a functional war- a warm up, functional warm up. Then we would do a circuit of an upper body, lower body, abs, upper body, lower body, abs, upper body in five minutes of each. And then we would finish off with a five minute cardio movement at the end. So we had five, five minute phases, five days a week, five factor fitness. And that's how it all started.
0: Wow. I love that. And just, just as an aside, first of all, I think that's brilliant. I never knew the history behind it and, and I, and I love it. And it's, it's very people. I explained to that even with patients in terms of nutrition, like we are not, you know, automobiles. If you put in X amount of gas, you get 17 miles per gallon every single time. That's not how we are. And same with calorie burning, that sort of thing that as you get fitter, I mean, that's one of the things is that you actually burn fewer calories doing the same thing over and over. So in, in a way, what you've also done is help with the metabolic adaptation where, you know, to continue even calorie burning from a weight management standpoint. So did that lead you to the next book? Because the other factor that you didn't bring up, and I want to remind me to ask you your opinion. Well, let's just go into it right now is about, what do you think about fasted workouts? Cause this is something that is very popular and very controversial and all the kind of biohackers yeah. out there. But I think, is it true that I mean, I'm just curious your take on it. And did at that time, were you thinking about, you know, how you fuel your body pre and post workout in, in terms of the adaptation? Does that play a role?
1: Yeah, um, there was, I believe, a meta analysis that ju- just came out that said that there really is no advantage of fasted workouts none whatsoever. And the thermic effect of food from the feeding far exceeds the nominal benefit of increased caloric expenditure from the fasting so um, you know i thought that's always what i believed because i hadn't seen anything compelling before that Um, but it was really interesting to see that we now know definitively that um, fasted cardio is not only not beneficial might even be mildly detrimental depending on what you're doing everyone's different you know some people have different digestion uh, setups and they can handle eating something before some people can it really depends what the what you are eating but uh no i, I don't believe in ever starving yourself or anything I, I know intermittent fasting is having a moment not a fan we call it ramadan you know for the last thousand few thousand years um the average person during ramadan gains 2.3 kilos that's Oh, really?
0: That's
1: yeah that's that is the where it comes from that's where yeah so Fasting is something historically that's been more of a spiritual symbolic gesture, whether it be Yom Kippur, whether it be Ramadan, you know, uh, different religions have their different versions of fasting. It's supposed to be this symbolic gesture. It's not necessarily good for your body for a long period of time. Um, So whether it be fasting before you exercise, fasting, not eating 20 hours a day, I I, I just, you, you know, the science really has not changed. And we talked about that before. So whatever you do, if you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle, would you suggest that to your kids? Would you tell your kids, look, I don't want you to eat anything for 20 hours a day fast. Wait until you're ravenous later in the day and then jam all your calories in a small window. Uh, I wouldn't tell my kids to do that. And I wouldn't do that myself.
0: Right. I think the only thing that it's done is is kind of reinforce some of the principles that we knew were right in the first place. So, for example, one of the one of the things with time restricted eating, which is a type yeah. of intermittent fasting, is that the cutoff time and and all the research has been done on the ten to six window, and I think the ten doesn't really matter, but the six p.m. cutoff is what's clinically relevant because studies show that, you know, having, if you, even if you shift the window from 12 to eight, that it's actually more harmful metabolically in terms of cholesterol and blood sugar. So, uh, you know, it's these fancy ways of getting people to do the right thing. So speaking of that, so again, knowing that you're one of the few people who has an expertise in both nutrition and exercise so you started with fitness but then that led into the five factor diet so tell us a little bit about that and then the world component because you know my obsession with herbs and spices and you were kind enough to give me a recipe for my last book which i'm so grateful for but so talk about the nutrition how you made it easier and why you wanted to make it easier because really your celebrities have all the money in the world they could spend you know whatever on personal chefs but you made it doable for everybody
1: yeah, so uh, when I was in grad school, I had two professors, Jenkins and Wallover, mm. and, you know, they, they published an obscene amount of, of research, specifically in glycemic index, glycemic load and grazing over gorging. And so against the whole pop fad of of intermittent fasting, the majority of the science still supports grazing and, and not gorging and having multiple small meals throughout the day or call them just feedings. They don't have to be called meals. They could be snacks. And the idea of keeping your blood sugar stable and eating proactively um, and having more control over what you eat and how much you eat and working with Hallie, um, having diabetes, um, that's the new thing. You can't say someone's a diabetic, doesn't define them. They have diabetes. Got it.
0: Um, Like obesity. They're they're not. Yeah, got it.
1: Right, right. So, um, you know, the idea of, of her grazing and keeping her blood sugar stable throughout the day was really important. So I had her eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner with a little snack between each, um, as, as per the research Jenkins and Wallifer and, um, and every meal she had protein, fiber and healthy fat. And so on set, it was really tough to get good meals at what we needed. So I just said, I'm going to cook. So I cooked breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, her. I made her snacks most days on set. And the number one reason people give for not eating well is time. They don't have time to cook. They don't have know how to cook. So I created these really simple recipes that had no more than five ingredients, took no more than five minutes to prep and no more than five steps. Cause I was on a film set in a trailer and I didn't have a lot there. And, um, and so that's how a five-factor diet came up five meals a day. And each meal as a recipe with no more than five minutes, five ingredients, five steps or less. And so that was, you know, that was something that was really, really helpful, um, in, in having Hallie stick with the eating plan. Um, and then also within that, I think the other five factors were, Every meal needs to have a, a high quality protein. It has to have um, healthy fats. It has to have fiber. It has to, I don't remember what they were. It was so many years ago, but basically it's protein, fiber, and healthy fat at each meal. And that's how five-factor diet came to be. And that became the Jessica Simpson um, you know book that was very synonymous with her transformation.
0: Yeah, she's a, she's an interesting one because I mean she she has struggled with her publicly, which is which is hard. But I it, it is amazing to me that you you landed on that. I mean, when did that book come out? Oh, oh, like long time, a long ago. time. But and and now and it, it's so. I mean, I you and I share so much in terms of philosophically our approach too. But the idea that you know lean protein helps protect your muscle when you're losing weight, healthy fat, which was shunned in the eighties and nineties helps you feel fuller and, and the hedonistic aspect of food Mm -hmm. and then fiber with all this enthusiasm for the microbiome, you were like, you know, 20 years ahead because we know that fiber helps feed the healthy bacteria in the gut and helps you Mm -hmm. feel fuller longer. And the number two, you know, the two reasons that diets fail is that people don't have time and they're Mm -hmm. hungry. And I think by having that combination, so, um, and, uh, it's amazing. So with Jessica, it, it really helped her. That was, I didn't realize that book was kind of synonymous with her. Did you cook for her too? Or did, <laughs> at, that, at that point, did you hire people to do the cooking?
1: I, uh, there was times where we would travel together and I was on set with her in Shreveport, Louisiana for quite a while, but, um, she was lucky enough that she had someone in the house who was able to help prepare meals. And I just provided them with the, um, the recipes and, uh, yeah.
0: So what was, what's your favorite, what was her favorite snack and what's your favorite snack? I'm curious.
1: She loved, um, Tex-Mex, you know, she's a Texas girl. That's she right. loved, I had to her off of queso, um, which I'd never heard of coming from Canada. <laughs> the way it's just a pot of cheese. Um, but, but she loved anything Tex-Mex and fajitas and tacos and burritos and, um, Yeah.
0: So you, so you had a little bit, although you can, I feel like within, um, was it with it? So tell us that we, I want to get to some newer stuff too. So how did, I know the five factor world diet was kind of a passion project for you. Tell us a little bit about that, that book.
1: Yeah. So I, I spent, you know, 20 years, uh, traveling abroad, um, and I noticed that, um, we would go to certain countries and people were lean. They were healthy. They're, we didn't have obesity there like we have elsewhere. And um, and I wanted to understand why. You know, they don't have as many gyms as we do or infomercials or weight loss products. And why are they living so much longer and looking better? And so I I traveled the world and I spent considerable amount of time in, in the 10 healthiest countries in the world and studied the, the ingredients they used to cook, their cooking techniques, their way of losing weight um, without trying to lose weight, just sort of, you know, maintain that that uh, calorie balance. And uh, I wrote a book about the 10 healthiest countries in the world and Japan, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Iceland, Denmark, Greece, China, Singapore, South Korea, Israel, France. And basically it came down to you had the Japanese diet, you had the Nordic diet and you had the Mediterranean diet. And those were the three healthiest uh, forms of eating around the world. And the they're all very different, but there's a few things they all have in common. None of them eat a lot of sugar. They're relatively low sugar diets. They're all extraordinarily high carbohydrate diets. And that's something that we've convinced ourselves in the West that carbs are bad because of Dr. Atkins and keto, but carbs are actually, you know, the one commonality amongst all the healthiest countries in the world, rice-based diets. And, um, you know, you go to Sweden, Finland, Norway, Iceland, and they eat crackers and they eat bread. It's just healthier versions of it than we do here. And as you know, the Mediterranean diet, eats carbohydrates as well. So sugar bad, carbs good, depending on the carbs and as you know how much and when, but um, that was for me an eye opener. Um, And the other thing I noticed, which kind of changed a lot in how I approached my clients is they all moved over 11,000 steps a day and Americans were moving about 4,000 steps a day. So that's 25 miles a week more than us. And over the course of a year, you know, you're talking about a lot. That's, that's, that's what 1,300 miles diet aside. If someone's walking 1300 miles a year, more than you, they're going to look different. They're going to feel different and they're going to be on this planet a lot longer.
0: Yeah. I think it's a wonderful observation, but I, I think some of that, I mean, cause I've, I've looked into this too. I think it's, it's quite fascinating, you know, it's not so easily replicatable in the united states so because just because of the way that cities are designed like city planning a lot of these countries the cities are older and facilitate walking and commuting and things like that and here when you have to cross major highways to get your kids to school you're less likely to do that and and also um you know just the uh well yeah in the mediterranean diet we just make sure that all the listeners know that does not mean that olive garden gets a green light uh (laughs) just so people are clear on that but did you i can't remember did you talk about you talk somewhat about herbs and spices and probably eating more minimally processed i mean that's the biggest thing minimally processed carbohydrates are not the enemy especially if you're moving a lot
1: yeah exactly um uh you know, even there's certain breads, Michael Pollan has done such a good job of explaining bread and how bread was this one thing that kept people alive, you know, for thousands of years, basically up until World War II, when we learned to mass produce bread and didn't let it ferment and just threw in quick acting yeast. And and so some people who swear they have a gluten sensitivity, a lot of it has less to do with the fact that it's bread or flour and more to do with the, the lack of fermentation and, and how things change during fermentation. So I'm a big fan of bread. I'm a big fan of rice. I'm a big fan of fruit. Um, and these things have fallen on, on, you know, not the most popular things these days, but not for the right reasons. And there is no research to support it either. And that's the frustrating thing is we all kind of, um, as you said, back in the eighties, when high carb diets were considered healthy in nineties as well. And, and then somehow we demonized fat, which was a really weird thing. Right. And, and we demonized fat carbs are good. Um, sugar was okay. And there's a lot of controversy as to who were the lobby groups behind this and, and driving this message. So here we are today, certain fats are great. Certain carbs are great. Not all fats are great. Not all carbs are great, but, uh, there's room for everything.
0: And I know you uh you have all of your clients walk at least 10,000 steps a day, right? Is that that's one of your basic tenets because I remember I was actually working with you when we did that yep. TV show uh training after uh, yeah, we won't talk about that, but yeah. after I had my first baby and you said 10,000 steps a day was non-negotiable. Is that you're still
1: Yeah. so, so 12 is the minimum I've been using. I've, I've progressed it a bit depending on someone's goals. It could be 14. I try not to make the goal too high because I want to people to be set up for success. Right. I think it really depends on how much they're moving or how little they're moving right now. But um, moving more than you're moving and getting to the point where you're doing at least 12,000 steps a day, I think is important. It doesn't have to be intense. You don't have to sweat. It doesn't have to huff and puff, but just move your body and keep moving it.
0: Yeah. I love doing that. I find that that's one of the things that's really helping me as I get older. Cause even if you maintain lean body mass, there is some slowdown in your metabolism just because of hormonal changes with estrogen, testosterone, that sort of thing. But I like to challenge myself to hit 20,000 uh, a couple of days, once or twice a week. So that's, and it's it's, it's doable if you commit to it. If you wake up and commit to it, I find that it's much more attainable. So we don't have too much time left, but what led you to do the body reset diet? That, I'm curious about that one because it's kind of the antithesis of our approach, which is more longer term and doing the right thing every day. This is a little bit more of a, of a quick fix, but I assume there's a psychological component to it.
1: To the body reset diet?
0: Yeah, just about the idea of, of faster weight loss.
1: Yeah, so I, I was coming up against people doing juice cleanses and juice fasts. And you had Beyonce doing Dreamgirls fainting on set multiple times. Um, and so here I am giving the message of of balance and sustainability, needy recipes and five-factor diet. But I'm coming up against people who are like, I need to lose 10 pounds in 10 days and I'm not going to listen to you. And I know I should, but I don't want to. and And so I created the exact same diet, same as five-factor diet but I masked it to look like a cleanse. Uh, Instead of using the word cleanse, I use the word reset. And instead of juices, it's uh, blended food smoothies. And unlike juices that are stripped of most of their quality nutrients, as you know, the, the blender keeps everything in and just makes it even more bioavailable and throws it, whips air into it to make it even more voluminous. So satiety happens sooner. And it's a great way to hide nutrients that you might not want to eat. You know, I'm a big kid myself. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of vegetables. I have to sneak them in. Really? So, um, yeah, well, that's,
0: I find that surprising. It wow, has, you learn new things, even though I've known you for decades. Now, you're uh, not a vet. Uh, How can you be? uh not a vegetable? in the winters of
1: Canada, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. We had great produce in the summer and the winter, not as much. So, um, yeah, I. Uh, I thought, you know, how do I address that? And how do I address that? The number one reason, as we talked about, that people don't stick to an eating plan is either A, they don't have time to prepare it, and B, they don't like the way it tastes. I said, I'm going to make the most delicious smoothies in the world that take no more than two or three minutes to make. And it was three phases. And and the principles were the same as five-factor diet. It was three meals and two snacks a day, and there was protein, fiber, and healthy fat at each. And the first one was an apple pie smoothie in the morning, and then a mid-morning snack, and then Lunch was a berry cobbler smoothie and then an afternoon snack. And these are usually savory snacks of cut veggies. And then dinner was uh, a green smoothie and you do that for five days. And then the next phase we drop a smoothie and replace it with an S meal. So that's a salad, scramble, stir fry, soups, sushi, a sandwich. Um, And the soups were delicious. They're made in the blender with vegetables. And, and then you transition to phase three, which is just one blended meal a day, two regular meals and two snacks. And you're, you're on your maintenance lifestyle uh, that just continues. So that book, that did very well. I think that was a bestseller in eight countries. Wow. I, I did a, I'm did aging myself, but I did a 10-year anniversary edition last year. I revised 40% of the book. So uh, that was fun.
0: It's funny. I remember when this book came out because I I think I gave you, I was like, I don't think you should call it body reset. And you're like, no, I'm pretty good. I I forgot I had a different, but I, I very, some reason I remember talking to you about the title when you were working on that. It's so funny. So let's in our final, let's talk a little bit about kind of some of the things that you're up to these days. I know you're doing a lot of gym design, which is super cool. I actually remember when you were starting that as well. I'm glad to hear that's taken off that. What, what led to that? Just a passion for, you know, promoting the exercise or how'd you get into that?
1: Yeah, I, um, you know, I've designed gyms for clients over the years at their residences and I, I enjoy it. I've designed a lot of equipment for, you know, I've consulted to Cybex and Life Fitness and Hoist and Precor and all these different companies designing equipment. I've got some patents in the exercise equipment space. And so I love gym equipment. I love the tools and I love building spaces for clients. And then I started doing some multifamily Many years ago, I did some hotels. I did the first SLS hotel. Starwood hired me to evaluate all their gyms and write a report for recommendations years ago. And I did a few projects, one off here and there for Four Seasons, a Viceroy. Um, and Four Seasons uh, said, look, we love what you did. We wanna own the space. We wanna have our gyms different than any other hotel chain out there. And so I became the global director of fitness for Four Seasons Hotels. and. I think I, I we've either done or in the middle of doing about 75 of them right now active projects um, and uh, you know I did you know Lady Gaga's gym, Katy Perry's gym, Ariana Grande's gym, Kanye and Kim's gym and, and they've all been different projects in and of themselves you know Gwyneth Paltrow's gyms um, so they're fun they're, they're, they're my way of expressing creativity and I've got a, a really great team that helps implement all the vision.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds cool. But so, what can, what should an average person that's maybe doesn't have a let's let's give the audience some practical tips. What that we don't have Kanye's budget. What can we do? Is there something that's really worth investing in, or is it better just to, you know, go now that COVID hopefully is waning somewhat to just. You know, go back to the gym and maybe push yourself with different types of cardio equipment. What what would you say is is the best approach, the most practical approach?
1: Yeah, I, look, walking doesn't cost anybody anything. I think there's a real luxury. There's very few people can afford to have a treadmill at home. But what a great way to handle and get your steps when the weather's bad or during the winters. Multitask, people are putting their computer and, and walking and working. My wife does that. Um, that's not the first thing that you should be investing in, but certainly some resistance implements. So, you know, start off with a pair or two pairs of dumbbells. You can get those adjustable dumbbells. I I find some bulky, but some are nice. Um, a TRX suspension strap is an inexpensive, great tool, a bench that goes flat or inclined. That's adjustable. They're relatively inexpensive. And I think you can use that as a, a great start and work your way up from there. And then as far as content goes, you know, you can find amazing content today on Allo Moves. You can find great content. Um, if you really want to take it an, an up notch form. So if you go to formlife.com, F-O-R-M-E, formlife.com, it's a cross between the mirror and tonal times a hundred. And it's this great interactive fitness tool with content. It's like a six foot iPhone um, that, that goes on your wall and that you can work out from home. So I think today the fitness tool game is, Tech is involved. There's a lot of fun things and it's, it's a fun time.
0: And I think it helps with these options going back to kind of your original research to have the variety. So you're working the muscle in different ways, different levels of intensity, different muscles, small, large. And I love one of your other great tips. I remember so much of what you say, Harley, you're going to be, but you. you always say, you know, to not forget to work the posterior chain. So the back of the body, m- muscles that you don't necessarily see. I know that's a really core. I love kind of following some of your stuff on Instagram because you focus on on the back of the body and also on multi-dimensional moves that are working more than one body part. And I assume that helps with the efficiency of, of the workout as well. But I'm curious real quick with the walking, if you go back to your original comment with the research that you, where the body is adapting, how can we prevent that adaptation? Because, If you're walking, you know, 10,000 steps and yeah. So is there a practical way way to talk
1: about exercises? There's two categories. There's what I call steps or aerobic movement. And then there's resistance steps or aerobic. Basically, the more you do, the better to some critical point. You're, you know, getting used to it. You're not trying to tear muscle tissue. You're not essentially creating a stimulus to your body um, in the same way that you do resistance exercise, where it's really about, a specific stimulus. And it's about overloading that muscle, muscle groups, connective tissues, tearing the fibers, and then letting them recover stronger and denser and more functional than they were before. So um, that's where multiple variation training um, comes into play is more about resistance exercise. Got it. And if you do too much resistance exercise, not only does it not make you stronger, it'll actually make you weaker and, and at some point probably injured walking it's not it doesn't happen.
0: Got and it. That's why I love it.
1: that's why I love walking.
0: Yeah, I know you're a big fan. I mi- I miss our walking meetings. We got to get back to that. Although yes. we have to let's give I hope this is okay that I say this but we yeah. because we walk to uh, the chocolate chip cookie place. Yes, but sure. you you your favorite chocolate chip cookie place on on uh, Fairfax or whatever yeah.
1: and um there. Yep.
0: But you and you have a you have a trick you want to share your uh cuz cho- chocolate chip cookies are my achilles heel are we gonna can yeah. we share that with the audience just give them a little teaser i mean
1: i look i never finish a cookie i have a very high um threshold as to what i consider a worthy cookie i i really am eating it for the chocolate chips so i look for one with the densest chick to dough ratio <laughs> <laughs> I kind of bite the chips out of it, and I'm done. And that's that's it. It doesn't sound right, but trust me, it it's just
0: works. true. Yeah, no, I've seen you do that, and I was like, "What are you doing? I don't get it." But I appreciate that. I mean, my. You know, every time I go to New York for Live with Kelly and Ryan, I am making a stop at Levin Cookies, which is like the, uh, you know, the Mecca for me of of chocolate chip cookies. But so before we wrap up, tell us a little bit about this new company that you're involved with, Blue Shift Nutrition, because I thought it sounded really cool. And we may have a special offer. If people, once this is released, uh if you follow us on Instagram or Harley on Instagram, we'll make sure to see if we can hook you guys up with a little promo code there. But tell us about that because yeah. it sounded really cool.
1: So it, yeah, it's, it's it's about to launch. Um, and think of uh, one of those really cool metal flasks, those water bottles. Um, and at the very bottom of the base, there's a motor. It's a basically a built-in blender. Uh, and and it goes with you anywhere you want. And at the very top of the lid, there's Um, little cartridges for you to put different nutrient packs. And so for me, I have fiber every day. I sometimes come short on getting enough water-soluble fiber, you know, psyllium fiber, and I've got a fiber and I just click it. And you hear those for 30 seconds and then I drink it and I have the most delicious, you know, fiber supplement. um, And I'm used to choking down those other ones where you got to measure out the powder and quickly stir it and drink it. And you've got this thing stuck to the side and, Um, and for people out there who, you know, might not have dairy and might have trouble getting calcium, you know, you, are able to get your micronutrients instead of taking those massive pills that people take, those big tablets, they choke down. Um, there's a lot of fillers in those tablets that are not great for you. And such a tiny percentage of that pill actually has stuff that your body's able to absorb and utilize. So it's just a more bioavailable way, more convenient, more delicious way of getting some of your micronutrients in, um, if you're looking in the supplementation.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. It seems really. And again, I just feel like the easier that you can make things for people, the more likely they are to stick yep. with it. And this just seems like such a practical tool for people that are on the go. You can bring it to the office. You just add regular water. Is that how it works? You add whatever. Yeah,
1: just you just add regular water, and um, and we have many, many, many different um, capsules that go in your Blue Shift bottle, and you click, and you're. <laughs> Oh, and you're good
0: and it increases your water intake too which people discount the importance of that like even being one percent dehydrated can lower your metabolic rate so it's it's like a win-win you get the nutrition you get the hydration you get the ease um i'm, I'm excited i'm excited to see what, you're gonna have and, to and send I, and me I one think,
1: <laughs> and you you've known this i mean when women have those pregnancy uh, pills uh vitamins there's nothing more constipating right than those and choking those things down so it definitely helps to uh, be able to have a more absorbable form of it and then chase it with a, with a little bit of psyllium fiber.
0: Yep. Nope. Sounds, if you can make that uh, delicious and accessible for people, I'm, I'm on board. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be a fan for sure. So Harley, thank you so much. This has been, I, I, I'm really, it's, I'm so happy that people get to hear your wisdom and how much you really know because there, you know, you are in the celebrity world and maybe people prior to this have more, have not really understood the depth of your knowledge, which I have always respected. And, and so I appreciate you sharing your time. Where can people go to follow you? What's the best place to keep up with you, to learn more, maybe to get your ideas and inspo?
1: Yeah. Um, you can go to, um, Instagram, Harley Pat on Instagram, Jim by Harley on Instagram is some of our um design uh, inspiration. And um uh, that's that's probably the best place. And com is the website, but certainly Instagram is a good place to go.
0: And they can find links to all your books on uh on your website, Harleypasternack.com. Yeah. And exactly. that's Pasternak with a K, people. So yeah,
1: E-A-S-T-E-R-N-A-K.
0: And we'll we'll provide links for everybody. But so thank you again. You've been listening to Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina. And I think today is probably you've gotten more practical tips than any of our episodes so far so and I really encourage you to pick up one or two or three of Harley's books because there's so much good information Mm -hmm. and um, so thank you again and if you enjoyed this episode subscribe like again I want your feedback I want to hear back from you so reach out anytime DM I'm not as active as Harley is on Instagram but uh, I do I do love watching the little videos the multi-move things it's very inspiring to me so thank you again for
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks.
0: Have a great day and good luck with the new baby.
1: Thank you.